The Big Shift is all about people in tech and the processes they put in motion that will surely shape our tomorrow. Recorded live at TechChill 2020, this podcast is for the tech curious and also hosted by one. I'm Anna Wildaus of TechChill family. We couldn't miss the opportunity to sit down with a couple of the most anticipated speakers from this year's lineup to now share it with you in the shape of a podcast. Hope you enjoy. The more the merrier. For this episode, I'm joined by not only one, but two inspiring ladies working in gaming. Holly is a visiting partner at the Seed Accelerator Y Combinator, and Eunice is an advisor at North America's premier esports organization, Cloud9. So I uh, I made it to your keynotes, at least the beginning part of it. Great. And I realized that I should start this uh, podcast uh, with an, a message out in the open saying that I know nothing of gaming. Oh, and me I'm li- too. <laughs> oh, me <laughs> too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> no, one of us has okay. to. <laughs> Just judge people from the gaming world. <laughs> And that's why it would be quite interesting for you to find the one last person who knows nothing on gaming. Um, nothing. Nothing. I, 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 I really, I don't. I don't. Do you play games on your mobile phone? Um, not really. Wow. Have you ever played Impressive. this game called Peekaboo? No, it doesn't ring a bell. I do not remember it. There's a game when you're six months old and they go, ah, they cover the eyes of the, the baby <laughs> and say, Peekaboo. Yeah. I mean, I think this is probably you and I, are, Eunice and I probably have very similar thoughts around this that like basically games are, you know, it, it touches so many people because it's human. This is how we learn is by playing games. So it's, it's maybe you don't know anything about video gaming, but I always say it's because there's not a game made for you yet. And this kind of goes back to a lot of what Eunice's talk was about in terms of diversity and inclusion that um, oftentimes I'll say, women will tell me, oh, I don't like, video games i'm so sorry holly and i go don't be sorry that just means there hasn't been a game made for you like who doesn't love to play it's even a challenge for you then it means there's still an audience oh uh, absolutely i'm I'm pretty bullish on getting like different diverse voices out there and different types of game developers out there because i do believe that for the longest time we've been subjected to a certain type of game constantly and like no offense, but like StarCraft, World of Warcraft, all these things that I'm like super confused by all the time. You know, I felt so, so much better. There was this one time this uh, professor went on stage and she held up this game controller. She's like, this is the most unusable thing. And I go, oh, it's not just me. I'm like, why is there an A button, a B button? Like what happened to the joystick? I know I'm pretty old, but I'm like, that was easy. Up, down, left, right. Then they added all these buttons. And I swear to you, I feel like an idiot each time. And I realize, like, well, maybe it's, not just me, it's really, it wasn't designed with me in mind. Mm-hmm. It wasn't designed to make it simple, but yeah. that's my little soapbox. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a great analogy. I mean, we were talking about yesterday just off the off the podcast um, about how everything in life is a game, right? Everything yeah. mm-hmm. is gamified, people, uh, I mean, that's even right. social media is gamified, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's an algorithm and you can play the game of trying to get to the top of the yeah. feed and you can use all these hashtags yeah. and oh, um, there's timing and all of these things in it. Like that's literally yeah. a game that we well, all Well, I think in. also even achieving goals in life, right? I mean, that's the whole, like if you describe what is a game, well, there's objectives and goals and a game, it just tries to make it fun. But reality is that we're all trying to achieve some type of goal, achieve some type of purpose, all of those things. So I'm not saying life is a game, but I'm just saying it's just so embedded in us as humans, I think. There was a point where I was working a lot and my role essentially became a lot of project management, right? Mm. And um, I always equated that to a game like StarCraft. So 
when I was young and I played StarCraft really heavily, it's there's a lot going on. Like you have to like harvest resources, you have to build your <laughs> army, you have to send them out, you have to control them. So you're literally doing all these things yeah. at once. Um, and I stopped playing for a really long time. And I think a couple years ago, I picked it up again just to see what it was like. And I got super stressed out. I didn't know how I played this game. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I can apply those skills and do well at work because it's, you know, I'm juggling a lot of things. There's a lot of plates in the air. Um, but it's, it's literally a way for you to train your hand-eye coordination and sort of your way oh, to so manage stress in the real world in, in some sense, right? Um, it does make so much sense what you're saying now. I see it from another perspective. It's not like I'm going to go home and, and, and start video gaming yeah. or whatever you say. Um, but it, it's just it's a perfect analogy with um, with the traditional buildup on life. And maybe that's why it feels so natural. That's right. The, the sense of gaming and having to win and uh, the example you had on uh, even marketing algorithms, because I work with that uh, on my daily basis. It does make sense. I have to get to the top. I have to attract people's attention. I have to compare myself to others. I have certain skills. They have certain skills. Mm -hmm. So we level each other. But when you ask me if I do gaming, how much do I know on gaming? I'm like, no. I don't yeah. do that, yeah. but do I? <laughs> you do You do a lot, and I think it's a little bit of, in all honesty, the kind of gendered term gaming as well as the gendered term gamer. So it's very interesting. I even saw probably some subtlety on stage. So when I think Ernest mm -hmm. got on stage and asked how many of you are gamers, I don't mm -hmm. think many people raised yeah. their hand. And then, because I was very hesitant to raise my hand. But when Eunice asked how many of you play games, I'm sure a lot more, I shot up my hand because yeah. I'm like, Oh, but I'm not a gamer. And I think it's because um, traditionally that term, and you can feel free to jump in, but I've always felt that term was very, very exclusive. Like if you didn't play StarCraft, World of Warcraft, at a certain level too. Mm -hmm. That's why mm -hmm. um, that woman, Simpson, Aaron, Aaron Simpson, she yeah. just, she gets, how good are you? Yeah. So it's like um, saying that, oh, because you don't listen to country music or rap, you're not a true music fan, or yeah. you're not a true country fan if you don't like this one artist, right? Like, like how many hours of this artist have right. you listened to that's before right. you can truly be that's a fan right. of it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do wonder, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this part, where um, I do think with the esports coming in and people getting paid for it, becoming a professional gamer, I realized like, oh, that could be a little bit closer to sports. And so people will now say, maybe more and more people will reserve the term gamer for people who are being paid. Or so they, they want to keep the, it exclusive. Or maybe they use the term professional gamer. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's trending towards esports athletes um, e because athletes, okay. the term athlete, I mean, there was a whole part of my speech where um, esports is trying to model after sports, and That's so right. using athlete made it more professional sounding as opposed to gamer. To oh, the mainstream audience, right. gamer just sounds like someone who's addicted to games or like not participating in society, yeah. right? Yeah. But when you say athlete, esports athlete, it's oh, they can get a visa, they can yeah. go to the Olympics. It's like a thing yeah. where it's professional yeah. and something to be respected as That's opposed true. to gamer from and your basement. Um, right? I don't know if you know her background. She works at this company called Riot Games that has created this. One of the most massively large multiplayer game called a uh, League of Legends. Yeah, and they have been on the forefront. I'll be honest of getting esports to be recognized even by the U.S. government to bring in visas and getting them treated like athletes because that's kind of how they could come in. Particularly in the U.S., we have 
particular rules. <laughs> but how did that happen? Was it was it planned out to happen that way, or did it just happen naturally by people looking up to those who who are better players? Well, so the, the tournaments are uh, for esports held all over the world. Yeah. And uh, generally, when they're held in the states, it requires a little bit more legwork, depending on where players yeah. are coming in from, um, or if we're going out to China or things like that. Um, so it's definitely developed over the years um, where visas have become more necessary. So they can't go as a pleasure visa because they're winning prizes, they're working, um, and it. I, I think the last few years have been crazy just in the states themselves with all the different immigration laws and things like that that are changing. But um, you know, over the last couple of years, it's definitely been a trend where it's a lot easier to get a visa as a recognized athlete. Yeah, and they they are athletes. I mean, they de- it's I know it sounds funny, <laughs> but they. They train. They do scrims. Um, I don't know. Do yeah. they get finger massages? Maybe. No, I mean, it, it does make sense. It yeah, even it sounds does. funny. You know, it's she, just so far away from. I know it sounds really strange, but <sighs> even um, when you were referring to World of Warcraft, I'm sorry, Starcraft, and how it helps with the hand-eye coordination. Most of the time, by the time you're 21, you're what they call KPS, which is key strokes per second. No, is uh, it key, uh, KPS is basically how yeah. fast you're. Um, you're typing. Sorry, I'm like slow and jet lag. Here. Um, by the time you're 21, you're probably pretty much too slow. Wow. <laughs> it's. It, it, I mean, you. These kids are, and I call them kids because they're much younger. Actions <laughs> you know per minute. A- yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. ABM. ABM. Okay. Yes. Actions per minute. I thought there was one like KPS, I but it's know. APS. Probably. Okay. Actions. <laughs> actions per second. But it, it has per to do with a lot of. Um, they, you have to be fast on the keyboard. Yeah. There's just yeah. no question about that. It's like. Yeah, you see I, them. They're so they're probably really fast typers. <laughs> but that's what they have in common with professional athletes, then, because usually the um, the best performing age, at least for gymnasts and and uh, sports oh, like that, true. is also when you're yeah, young. Favors the yeah. young. It is it is this weird yeah. like entertainment with child stars too. Sports I, I, like I think twenty one is like you're pretty much topped out. Yeah, uh, it's actually interesting to see the trend of a lot of esports players retiring. Um, and no longer becoming athletes. And a lot of these athletes start when they're 17, 18. So they're picked up by a team, they're really good, they don't go to college, they just spend 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day uh, practicing and being better at this game, uh, whatever game they're good at, they're professional in. And then after their 10 hour day, they spend another four hours streaming um, to build their brand, to connect with their audience, build their, their fan base. Um, and then, you know, four years later, they're retired, and what do they do? They haven't been to college. They don't really have real-life skills in the world. They've never really worked in a company environment. Know how to yeah, work right? a computer keyboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they really know how to work it. Um, and so a lot of them go into, now that there's an esports industry, now there are casters, there's yeah, analysts. They're analysts. Right? They're <laughs> like ESPN analysts. Yeah, they're coaches. Um, they, they help the next generation of the esports players. Um, Life was so short. Yeah, and some of them do go back to college and and feel like you know they're burned out from esports and they want to do something different and yeah, they realize the yeah. world is bigger than than just it's like the, the thing they've been doing for four right. years. Uh, um, so it's really interesting. I mean that we're sort of hitting that that peak um, oh, to see what what happens. Oh, fascinating. But maybe that's why also the um, age group of people interested in gaming kind of at least for my for my uh, point of view um, without being in it it seems that it's only 
something uh, not only but mostly for the younger people and maybe it's because they are the ones in it and they have those people to look up to and yeah. as soon as you are over that professional athlete state of uh, yeah. participating within the gaming you have to look for the the real life <laughs> you have to have a real career career right and yeah. uh, so you have to build another whole another profession and and, yeah. and life after gaming I, I do you think that there is something uh, as as you're younger um, you do have more time yeah and it is one of those things that you uh, as you know creators in entertainment you vie for yeah like it's either TV um, even playing outside <laughs> you're vying for that um, and I think what's really been fascinating that we see more and more is how accessible these games have become right so initially um, I'm gonna date myself, but when Atari first came out, it was like, I don't know, like 200 bucks. And my dad's like, once it's $50, we'll get it. And obviously we never got it. <laughs> and we go over to our friends' places, which is, I think is why like Twitch kind of capitalized on this. I remember as a kid, it was a very social thing where I would go to somebody else's house and I would watch them play. Wow. Um, and then we would take our turns, just like old school kind of arcade, yeah. right? And um, I kind of feel like what's happened is, um, the console industry has kind of changed over time. It's also, um, uh, by many reports, in some ways, it's declining. And if you think about with a console experience, um, with just basically mm -hmm. like an Xbox and with the traditional what you think it I'm following, I'm which following. is <laughs> quite complicated. Because uh, like, even to set it up, like I, I don't know about you, but anytime you visit any American home, the setup of every AV structure is completely different. Like it's like I have five remotes and I push one button in a certain order for each one. So then to set up like a console system is not very accessible. And this is probably why VR in the home yeah. hasn't totally taken off either, because they've gotten a little bit better with like reducing kind of the the ability to to get into the VR mode, but. So you had this this console, um, then it moved into PC games, which is a little bit more accessible. But then once this mobile phone came out, yeah. I think that is something that's really catapulted and made it like super accessible um, for games for every for the younger generation, male and female. Because now I I have less of this problem of like figuring out controls. And this thing is like in your pocket twenty four seven. Yeah, you, like we're in the most intimate parts of people's lives, <laughs> literally, this you've mobile phone. You've cracked it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, people like take this mobile phone everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? it's the first thing they check, it's the last thing they check. Um, so I think the mobile phone has really, really reduced kind of some of those barriers. So you see um, some of the numbers change on the number of women actually uh, becoming quote unquote gamers or playing games, right? And the yeah. mobile games is because it's so accessible and so much more usable. Um, there still just isn't, I think, enough diverse content that's made for, for women or just a variety of people, not just women, but uh, different interests, right? I'm yeah. not always gonna be interested in a certain type. But the uh, lack of diversity, how, how do you, how do you uh, notice it? How does it um, come does to it your, come? yeah, yeah, even oh understanding? Well, it's really interesting. So mobile gaming, I consider it as gaming. Right, when I asked the audience who plays games yeah. here, including mobile games, uh, it was very obvious that they were nervous to raise their hand at first. And so there's already a stereotype in people's heads about, hey, if I'm playing a mobile game, that's just stuff on my phone. That's not really a game. Yeah. I'm not a gamer. Oh, yeah. Um, and oh, I, I wouldn't even think that. Except yeah. for, I think the, what, what do you think about like Fortnite? Do you think people who play that a lot call themselves a gamer? 
if it was on the phone. Like, I, because that one's also live streamed. That's so different because it's finally something on the phone, yeah. something that's streamed. I mean, I know her stone well, well, was streamed, but like. Yeah, I mean, I would say Fortnite's a little bit different because it has a scene outside of the phone. Yeah. Um, so it's still PC first, right? And oh, they do have cross-platform play, so on console and, and yeah. mobile phone, but. Um, have you heard of that game? I have. So, okay, I so have. I just I still say, here. It is one of I'm the not raising my okay. hand yet. <laughs> I don't okay. give up. Feel free yeah. to raise your hand if there's ever anything that. <laughs> but something but like, like Candy Crush, for example, oh, right? Like, yeah. I don't think that women who play Candy Crush will consider themselves gamers. Oh, that is so true. Because, you yeah. know, when we would interview for candidates for our company, mm -hmm. like, a lot of the women will say, oh, I'm not a gamer, but um, I do play games. I'm like, oh, so what game? They're like, oh, Candy Crush. And then they would proudly tell me that they're at level 973 without <laughs> even paying, oh like, a dime. Yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, I think you're a gamer. But going back to how exclusive mm -hmm. that term of like how you feel you could claim that yeah and mm. not even the term but just feeling like you belong in the mm. gaming industry right yeah. like yeah if the women don't classify or think of themselves as gamers mm -hmm. then maybe they don't feel qualified to apply for your company in the first place because oh, they're not gamers oh absolutely um and that like you know, that's yeah. also a trait for women where they like uh, need more encouragement to try to put themselves out there oh, yeah. and like claim ownership of either a label or claim ownership of something yeah. they're good at. Um, but that's a very obvious example. Oh, absolutely. Like even um, you're on the internal side. I remember it took me a while at my own company to try to fight with recruiting and say, look, <laughs> can you remove the question, are you a gamer for um, was that on the application form? Yeah, it was It was yeah. for interns. I go, this yeah. is for interns. Like, it's okay. And they're like, but it's engineering. They have to love games. And I'm like, okay, maybe if they're in product. But it's a very specific type of game. And even I've heard Riot, like, if you don't, like, love and play League of Legends, then you you pretty much can't really apply there. I don't know if that's true um, or not. Not apply, but they look for people who love the game. I don't know if they've changed over time. Yeah, I don't know if they changed over time, but it, the culture fit was very important in, in the hiring process for Riot. And so if you did play League of Legends, it was more of a fit, right? Well, here's um, the question. But they didn't ask if they, if you were a gamer. They asked if you played League of Legends. So it's a yes or no question. So but do you, do you even have a chance? But do you even have to? I mean, does it, has there anybody been there that you met that did oh, not yeah. play League of Legends? Uh, oh, I'm good. sure. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I'm sure they've. I mean, depends on the team that you're on and things like that. But, um, you know, one of the culture fits of being at a company that is living and breathing games and game development is that you like playing games and that sort of helps you in your everyday role. Yeah. But wouldn't you be able to assume that people applying for such a role play games or at least they have interest in it? Um, yeah. Not necessarily. I mean, I think there's sometimes people who... Um, there's definitely, for folks on the development side, it, it is a self-selection bias, but this goes back mm -hmm. to a lot of, there, there's also some women that are trying to break into games and because they don't fit some type of cultural, or, or not even just cultural, but like there's all these other biases in the hiring process, then they don't get the experience. A great example of this was, you know, my recruiter, he was trying so hard to get women engineers and game engineers and they're like, Holly, I have great women who have 10 years of experience but it's not in games. And then I have a guy who's 10 years of experience in games. Who do you think will ramp up faster? All right. right? So it's just these little things that, comp it's like compound growth, but the other way. It's like compound death or something, right? Yeah. Like, it's just like, 
Um, I think all these little things on kind of some of uh, the side of running a company, hiring and all that. And then on the flip side, I think it shows up in the types of games that are produced, Mm -hmm. um, where oftentimes what happens in the gaming industry, because it's so hard to make it into a business, they see what's popular. So if you look at all the popular games, it's always a rip off of something else. So they just right. copy one another oftentimes, make it one or two tweaks, and sometimes it, it hits really big. Like um, League of Legends was a copy of Dota, mm-hmm. right? And like um, you'll see that even uh, Fortnite was a copy of the Apex Legends in many ways, right? And they, they were able to make it commercialized and mass produce, like mass appeal. Um, but if you just kind of see what happens, it's just like uh, derivative in some ways because you, you, the business of it is, is so difficult. Yeah. Um, and people want to do what they love, but at the same time, you can't eat off of love, <laughs> right? You, you kind of have to make some money. So um, I think the ecosystem, particularly the gaming ecosystem, is incredibly difficult for what we call indie developers. These are studios that are kind of independent. Yeah. They have kind of this idea for a game and they really want to get it out there, um, but they need to kind of bootstrap or figure out how to get some of the money. But it, it's really hard to get even notice into the app store, like if you're doing a mobile game. Mm-hmm. I've heard some like strange statistic. Oh, I don't know if it's strange, um, but it's like, I think 85% of um, the, ga- the apps that are submitted daily are games. And then oh, wow. on top of that, like, the 80% of the app revenue is done by like the top 10 games or like it's all in like games, all right? Um, most of it because it's in-app purchase and that's what they can measure. Um, but it, it's very much, you can see, it, it's, it's just a really tough space where everything's consolidated even more so. It's probably Fortnite's taking up all the revenue. Like it really is, it's, it's kind of amazing because I, I always think like there couldn't, ever be a bigger number one game. So in 2012, our game Kingdoms of Camelot was the top grossing game. And we're like, this is awesome. And then Clash of Clans came around and they were making more money than us (laughs) on it. And then Clash of Clans got like dethroned by Pokemon, right? And each single one is like bigger. Like now they were making billions of dollars in revenue. And now Fortnite is making several billions of dollars in revenue, right? Like it's just amazing. There's always going to be a bigger number one. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, well, the like, industry is also growing and the audience is growing, right? So, um, um, I mean, it's natural that the revenue would get larger and larger, and especially if you're but it's now just going to the top as a platform. Yeah, but do you see any potential ones. challengers to the top players? Oh, I think there's always going to be somebody because that can I, try and for challenge. example, um, I reckon the mobile platform. Uh, it's it, it has quite an advantage of um, of people trying out new things. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it's just not such a commitment. It's it's more on the go. It's mm-hmm. more casual, right? Mm-hmm. So you might be able to um, risk in a way mm-hmm. and try new things. So yeah. uh, is that maybe an opportunity or maybe even I don't know yeah. what what is the way to stand out? Do you see a solution to this? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the distribution platform is an interesting challenge, right? So if you're listed in the top 10, then you get a lot of traffic, you get yeah, a lot true. of attention. Um, but a creative indie game will not get any yeah. attention because they don't have a fan base that's already pre-built. That's true. Um, and what you said about derivatives were really interesting because like if you use Hollywood movies as an analogy, you know, every big movie, say, you know, the Marvel universe and and these big superhero movies, they're 
uh, they already have a pre-existing fan base and people know what to expect and so they will go because they know exactly what they're paying for. Yeah. Um, but you have indie films that also struggle to get attention um, and there's no fan base for them necessarily unless it's a famous director, yeah. famous team, but uh, usually they're more a lot more creative, they have a different narrative, they appeal to a different type of audience that want to look for these movies but they don't know where to look. Yeah. Um, obviously movies are a lot more advanced uh, than games at this stage, but there's different uh, platforms. For example, Apple Arcade is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Apple Arcade, you can sign up, it's a subscription, it's like $5 a month, and uh, they basically highlight a lot of indie games and a lot of indie game studios. Yeah. And I believe they even subsidize a lot of the development so that they can get these smaller games to the market, to a different type of audience. And so if you look at the App Store, for example, on, on mobile phones, on Apple phones, um, there is a tab for Apple Arcade, and then there's a separate tab for games with like the top 10 yeah. lists of, of yeah. each category and so the discovery element has that's become true. better and better and hopefully uh, i think that's also right. in the in the hands of like google and apple we'll be honest like if it they all comes really down to them, wanted it? to push apple arcade and indie games like what they had done traditionally in the past would be to feature them and so now they've put it in a tab and now you have to pay money to get i, I don't know <laughs> so I, there's there's a lot to be said about like the 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 platform is the king in so many ways and you have to you're you're pretty much indebted to the platform in, in many ways so as a as a game developer right now on there there that is something to be incredibly aware of like she she understand like there's so many nuances of now there's this tab and once you get hidden over there how do you get discovered yeah and that is um, a big issue I think particularly for mobile games but going back to your question about like well because it's more casual um, maybe it can play in our favor. And in some ways, yes, and in many ways, no. So what happens in, um, and this could be maybe more so why kids can adopt gaming, because they're so much more open to trying new things. Right. I know like as we get older, we have our set um, things on our app. Yeah, um, It's almost like our desktop, right? There are just certain things that we have on our desktop, and that's that. And so for the longest time, when the mobile phone first came out, there was a mad rush to have any type of content because it's almost like having a desktop laptop with like not like no content yeah. at all. So people will just take anything. Like I was playing Snake. Like this, like I don't know if you remember the open, close the clamshell phones, but like you'll just you're so hungry for yeah. content. But as more and more content has come out, now it's become a curation game. And which one, like maybe eventually I would pay for this type of curation um, if I if I loved games so much. Um, I do it already with Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. Right. So I do I do pay for access and curation of some sorts. So I do think the mobile phone um, does tend towards. Um, maybe a little bit pick up and drop off of that. But I also think that your gameplay, like people have realized that you cannot just port a game that's on PC and just jam it into the form factor of a mobile phone, right? Like it just won't work. Yeah, just way. to have a check that it's mobile. Yeah, I mean, mobile for also. a while, that's what um, people were doing because they're like, oh my gosh, the audience is moving to mobile <laughs> and they would push it that way. Um, for us, we built with the mobile first in, in mind. So like, I remember even small things like um, the design decision. Um, so our game, Kingdoms of Camelot, we brought it in 2012 onto the mobile phone. So it was quite some time ago. And I remember we were even discussing like, how do you play the phone one-handed? Is it in people's left hand? And where do we put the <laughs> buttons? Because you wanted to make sure that your thumb can reach the That's buttons. That's true. Right? And, but this is stuff that you, 
there was no standard. There was no um, talk about. Now there's a ton of standards. There's there's all these movements that you can use now, right? Maybe I so just I play really janky games because there are games that I play that I'm holding with one hand, and on some menus the X button is on this side, and on other menus yeah. it's on the other side, and I'm like, what? I don't know. <laughs> it's did like, they have are you? Did teams? you make it for the right-handed yeah, world or like, the left-handed maybe world? Maybe they just had different teams in different parts of the world making the same game. Pro- they could be doing that. <laughs> yeah. I've actually seen. Um, so I have a friend who plays Pokemon Go. He's an adult. And he'll talk to me and he'll just be swiping the phone while he's talking to me. He's like, I gotta train. I gotta train, sorry. <laughs> I got work to do in the game. And I'm always like, oh. And I saw him do this when he was talking to the concierge. I'm tapping my phone for people who are listening. And they're just keeping eye contact still, which is great. Yeah. But I was like, okay. But can doing? the other person follow? <laughs> yeah, well, the person I just thought it was straight. But I, I mean, who would have thought? I remember years ago when I was walking down. Um, I, w- I was walking down the street and I was just like, that's so weird. There's some guy with a Bluetooth earpiece and he's just talking out to the world. Like, oh, that's silly. <laughs> but you know, that everyone does it now. Yeah. They have the AirPods in and they're just chatting away while they're talking and it's, it's yeah. no different. <laughs> so how, how, do you, how do you see the future of the, of the gaming space? Maybe what excites you the most uh, personally? Um, I, I think it's really exciting to see companies and publishers um, have a mission Um, yeah. and like a theme they're trying to build games around, right? So Nintendo is actually quite good at this. They're always trying to think uh, with a different console design in mind, for example, with different types of game in mind because they're targeting the family as opposed to like a hardcore gamer, for yeah. example. Um, and so I, I haven't played this, but there's a new game called Ring Fit and basically it's like a workout and and what you do is you purchase the game and it comes with a ring that you see in Pilates classes and you're supposed to use this ring and it has like motion detection and um, and like it knows it's how like the Wii it's like yeah, the next generation exactly. Wii but with yeah. some ring does it yeah. glow um, and so you're literally just working out and and there's like dancing games and things mm-hmm. like that that are very family oriented but you know i think the next generation is absolutely the key in bringing you know, more gender diversity into gaming yeah. and working in gaming. Um, and so if they, if Nintendo is, is focusing on families where there's daughters and sons playing and the whole family's playing together, yeah. uh, it's it's fantastic for helping the long-term growth of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't have you. said a lot of this better. <laughs> like I'm pretty bullish on, I think games are always going to be here to stay. And as I've always mentioned before, it's not because you don't like video games, it's just because there hasn't been a game made for you. Yeah. And so with this next generation, like 50% of people who play Fortnite are girls. Um, as we get more and more into that, like I, I just don't think you could ignore um, that 50% of the population are women, <laughs> right? <laughs> as well as they're now kind of coming into kind of their own and eventually like, hey, I love playing these games they're gonna start claiming either gamer, or gamer might disappear as a word, and it might be something else, or maybe it gets reimagined to be more inclusive. So that's certainly something I've been um, pretty bullish on. I've also have a couple of pet projects, I guess I'll throw them out there, of like, <laughs> I'm huge it. fans of. Like, <laughs> So first, like a social network for gamers. Right now, I think uh, the closest, like Discord might be, it's, it's like a chat, and yeah. Discord started with a lot of the communications uh, for gamers. And if you notice, game, it's like there, there are basically two things that push forward um, technology. 
the first one is investable and the other is not. <laughs> it's games and porn. Those two things have pushed like just the boundaries of um, faster processors, better graphics, uh, better storage, all of those things, compression algorithms. It's like the gamers have always been on the forefront of that yeah. along with the other industry uh, for various reasons. Um, and so I think like if you keep on looking at what they're doing, um, you're gonna be able to see like just a whole new, like it's just gonna be so embedded in ways we can't imagine. It already is, like it already is. It's just, that's what makes us human is we play games. Yeah. So you're saying that gaming's gonna become more human in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I more would diverse, say it's, acceptable. It's, it should be reflective of it's what, reflective yeah. yeah exactly it's reflective yeah. of the different types of people and the different personalities and interests that yeah. that like are looking for this connection absolutely yeah and then i i also think the second um thing as well is when we when they reduce the barrier of creation of these games you'll just see a flooding of it becoming more reflective of humans. So for example, uh, before people didn't know how to write and now people know how to write and we have so much great content out there, right? Yeah. And now you can even self-publish, right? So places like Roblox who made it a lot easier for people to design games and create games. Like one day there could be like, you know how people say, oh, I'm spending this weekend working on my book. They could be saying, I'm spending this weekend working on my game because yeah. there is it's it's called inter, it's called interactive entertainment yeah. <laughs> for a reason yeah. right and you know what's really interesting is that kids can do this so oh, kids yes. can make their own games and their own mods right, roblox in roblox for example uh because now there's a platform where they have all the pieces and so you can make mods i mean dota started oh, yeah. like that yeah. or like um, minecraft minecraft's yeah. another great yeah. example of like a creator world and yeah. i think we're like as humans we're here to create too like but, it's very basic but this is great because kids can make games while they can't go and write an article, for example. Oh, that's a right? really good point. So they're not writing yeah, a book, so but they are expressing well, they are drawing themselves. doodles. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's not art that's going to be selling for $200,000. Yeah, never right? know. I've seen some of those abstract arts out there. You have not seen the art from my kids. It's like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is great. I love that. Point. I've never thought of it that way. I never even thought about it that way either. Because you're right. Like, reading and writing doesn't hit to like seven or eight. Yeah. So, But you have kids who are like five or six who can definitely move some blocks around right particularly in minecraft yeah. so there's people like me that you could potentially get into gaming and then there's people like all the kids growing up uh, being yeah. tech savvy and yeah. uh, very digitally advanced yeah. who could even i think you're already in gaming, make those you games just for me. don't yeah yeah, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> maybe i, don't, know that I don't say it out loud yet <laughs> i don't feel confident uh, throwing out those uh, throwing around all the uh, terms and uh, all of those things but secretly i think i, I am a gamer if we put it into this uh, life yes. <laughs> unclaimed gamer yes <laughs> Soon, maybe I'll add it to my uh, not, I don't know Twitter description. <laughs> yeah, in a in a bigger term. But I'm afraid we've come to um, to the time we have to wrap it up. But thanks for, so much for joining uh, me and uh, Techtual Podcast and Techtual in general. Yeah. I hope you really enjoyed it, and yeah. uh, we're gonna hear you speak uh, on stage tomorrow. Yeah, thank Yay. you so much for having. Maybe us. I'm gonna raise my hand tomorrow if you ask the same oh, question. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Better actually, Maybe I I'm should. gonna be sitting in the first <laughs> row and waiting to be asked because I, I'm gonna figure out a game that I can proudly say I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
you can play one of our games. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have a couple of hours <laughs> to get <laughs> into it. The proper research group. That's right. But thanks a lot, you guys. Thank you so Thank much. You soon. Thank thanks. you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to stay tuned for new episodes and follow us on social media for all textual related news. 